Let's invite the Lord into our midst. Father, we are so blessed. Where could we be on this morning where we would have such an outpouring, Father, of thy love, the expression of thy spirit, working in the hearts of thy children? Lord, we ask a blessing on this congregation who has worked tirelessly to make this event possible. Lord, we thank thee for thy spirit's working in the lives of these two dear souls to bring them to the point of committing their lives to each other. Lord, we also know that they committed their lives to thee years before. Continue, Lord, to work in their lives and to bless them. Lord, be with those that can't be with us on this day for whatever reasons. Lord, visit them as well. Father, if there are those that have decided to stay away, we pray, Lord, with cords of love that can only come from a father's hand, that thou mightest draw them. And Lord, in your tenderness, remind them what they missed. And now, Lord, speak to us out of thy word. Give us insight. Give us teachings. And we will thank thee and praise thee in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Dear ones, the Lord has led me to Romans chapter 8. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to read some verses from that. Romans chapter 8. I'll give you a moment to find it. Beginning with verse 1. Therefore there is no, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God, sending his own Son, in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But... If ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself shall be also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope, for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what it is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Angela, rise for a prayer. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we, we are so thankful, Lord, that that thy house this morning could be filled. And we are so thankful, Lord, that thy word is still going forth in this day, even as old as this word is. And yet it, it has not changed. It is a word that still convicts us of the truth, Lord, of thy will for our lives. And we pray, Lord, even as thy word changes not that there would be hearts that would be changed this morning by it. That we would have come, each one, with a heart eager and zealous to learn, to hear this word spoken, Lord, as the Spirit would, would speak and would move and would, would move through this room, through this building, convicting, speaking, Lord, what the message should be, and even as it is interceding, Lord, on our behalf, Lord, that we pray that the Spirit would bring forth the message, perhaps in its own unique individual way for each one of us, as thou dost know our needs. Lord, we pray that each one that had, has come would leave this place, Lord, with 
a rich measure of thy blessing. We pray for Brother Dave that thou would strengthen him. The Spirit would speak through him in a mighty and a powerful way. And Lord, we, we pray ultimately that thy word would accomplish its purpose and bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear ones, last evening as I sat in the inspiration time, my, my whole message shifted. And that's, it's wonderful that the Lord works that way. I, I had this, this, this thought that I believe the Lord laid on my heart, and this is the path to go. And, and as I sat, sat there considering the, the topics that were touched upon in the inspiration time and and, and Tim sharing some of what the program would be, the Lord said, you're, you got it wrong. I want you to shift gears. My thought was to go through the, the reality of the Trinity, the triune God, and, and, and it's hard to understand. It's hard for us to understand how God is singular yet has three persons. And... and I'm thankful that I'm not one of those people that, that needs to know all the answers. I'm not smart enough to need to know all the answers. There's no, I just know right off the bat, I'm a little simple, I'm not going to be able to know all the answers. And I just have to accept a lot of things in faith. And So I want to share a, a couple verses with you in Isaiah. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this, and this is, this is God saying, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I love what Tim said last night, and I think the way he put it, if I wrote it down right, just because you can't explain it doesn't mean it isn't true. I can't explain the Godhead. I don't, you know, and, and Brother Doug has done some wonderful teachings on it. And when, when I did, when I went through a series of our, of our points of our statement of faith, I asked Brother Doug for some of the information and he, that he had done it at one of our elder meetings. And, and I used that and, and I understand the concept, but I understand how it works. And, and so I thought, well, maybe the way to do it is to reveal with you or discuss with you the various aspects and the roles of the Godhead the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And then I realized last night that Tim covered God, the Father, and the choir is going to cover the Son. And the Lord said, just talk about my Spirit. And I'm so glad that he's led me to the path of talking about the Spirit. You know, when I, I had some, some of the notes that I originally had, I said, how, do I, how would I describe God, the Father? And, and I've used, I viewed that as my refuge. God the Father is someone we, we rush to. We go to our Father. And, and at first I thought, well, just talk about fathers. And then I realized not everyone is blessed to have godly fathers. So that might be something hard for them to comprehend. But God is our refuge. The psalmist said, God is my refuge, my present help. That's God. And, and the, the Savior, Jesus, the Son, is our Savior. He died for our sins, and the choir will go through this, if I understand right, you know, that Jesus was God, fully man, and, and what he did for us. 
So I want to spend these next few moments talking about the Spirit. And I, you know, how do you, how do you explain the Spirit? And I just put a couple notes here. The Spirit is our empowerment. The Spirit is my connection to the Father. The Spirit is my connection to the brethren. Brothers and sisters, you know what that's like when you've, when you've gone somewhere and you don't know people, but there's something there. It's, it's tangible, but it's not. But you just, you, you just feel this connection with people. You can't explain it because it's a connection on the Spirit level. The Spirit is our connector, and, and He's our link. And, and, and do we appreciate Him? So I, that's why the Lord led me to Romans 8, and I'm going to try to unpack some of these verses with you. Verse 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Think about that, dear ones, that we can come into a right standing with God. We can be totally free of any condemnation before Jehovah God. God's chosen people could not utter his name. It was he who has no name. Tim talked about those in the Old Testament that spoke to God. But you remember in the, in the situation with Moses that first Moses, there's something drawing him to the mountain. And he goes on the mountain and he sees the burning bush and, and he's afraid. And so I love, I love that progression of Moses in the book of Exodus where, where he's afraid of God and he's, he's inquiring. And, but then he gets to a point, he's had enough conversations with God that he says, I want to see you. I want to see you. I don't want to just talk with you. I want to see you. And I love how God, in his tenderness, he says to Moses, you know, Moses, nobody can look on me and live. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Moses. I'm going to, I'm going to put you in the cleft of this rock, and I'm going to put, th think of the tenderness of God. I'm going to put my hand over your eyes, and as I pass by, I will remove my hand so you can see my back. That's God. And we know that Abraham talked with God. But dear ones, for us is something even more special. And that is based on the power of the Spirit. You know, if we go back into Genesis, Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the evening. And then Satan came and tempted our first parents and they sinned and everything was cursed. The, the writer, of, Paul, says here in Romans that talks about even creation groaning. Everything was cursed. But because of the power of the Spirit, because of the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we'll get into that a little bit more, we can actually walk with God in the cool of the evening because of the Spirit. Think about that, dear ones. The Spirit is ever-present with us. The Spirit, is, the Spirit began to work in our lives even before we were converted, while we were yet in sin. The Spirit was working. He was, he was touching our heart. And I, I remember once, my first one time, the first time that I really experienced the call of God, and it was, it was Massanetta Springs. And in the cabin that I was in was the Whippoorwill cabin, which was up on the hill that overlooked kind of the dining room and, 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 um, and uh, Burton Hall. And I remember that, that God called me. 
And I remember when I went home, I think I might have been 13, 12 or 13, and I spoke to my dad, and, and my dad encouraged me, but there was something in the way he said it when I realized that my life would never, ever be the same again. Because the Spirit of God had spoken to me. I wish I would have been as wise as many of you young people and turned to the Lord at 13, but I wasn't. I was 18. And, I, so the, Spirit, and the Spirit just kept working, kept working. How thankful I am. But we have to walk in the Spirit. And if we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So let me keep reading here and kind of unpack this. Verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Dear ones, think about that. We become the fulfillment of the law because of the Spirit's work. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What is it, dear ones, my friend outside of Christ, that you would like? What is it that you're seeking? Not, don't, I, don't, I don't want you to... Well, you're not going to speak anyways because we're, we're in a church service and you're very respectful, and I appreciate that. But if we were one-on-one, -on -one, I would say, don't, don't, tell me, don't tell me what you think you want to tell me. I want you to talk with yourself right now. What is it that you really want? deeply inside because there's one difference between you and me. I've been where you are. And if you're outside of Christ, you haven't been where I am. I know what it was like. I know what I said when I was outside of Christ. But what I longed for was peace. What I longed for was hope. What I longed for, just as creation, I love how Paul wrote this where he said, even creation is groaning. You see, when we are outside of Christ, our entire being is groaning for a restoration of what was lost when our first parents sinned. We salve our conscience. We distract our thoughts with things of this earth. The devil says, this is fun. This is fun. This will be enjoyable. This is what you need to achieve to finally get where you want to be in life. And when you get there, there's nothing there. It's all a facade. It all comes crashing down. And that is before the judgment. I'm not going to talk about the judgment today. You can read that on your own. I want to talk about why it is so amazing to have the Spirit within you. Because to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life. It's peace. It's a restoration of what was lost in the garden. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be the Spirit of God dwell in you. Ooh, there's that clarifying, that qualifying point. The Spirit of God needs to be in us. 
So if we think about, now let's go back to the triune Godhead. We have God the Father who is having conversations with the rest of the Godhead, the Son and the Spirit. I don't need to understand it. I just believe it. The Bible says it. I believe it. So for me, that settles it. But we know that they had the conversation. And God realized that man would choose to sin. He didn't make man sin. He just didn't make man behave. He gave us choice. And our first parents chose to sin. Now, we can't blame them because if we would have been given that choice, we would have done it too. But as they're having this conversation, knowing the choices that men would make, God says, so what are we going to do? And the son says, I'll go. I will go be that supreme sacrifice. You'll, we'll hear about it this afternoon. I'm, I'm confident of. And I will be the sacrifice for their sins. My blood will cleanse them from all unrighteousness, which will enable the Spirit to indwell them. And this, to me, is like the most exciting part of this whole Trinity, triune Godhead concept is that, that not only did my brother Christ die for my sins, but God's Spirit comes and, and speaks to me when I was outside of Christ and shows me what I'm missing and then gives me the ability to resist temptation. To start unpacking all of the ugliness that was in my heart. All of the sin that had taken hold in my life. And, and, and my friends outside of Christ, I want to tell you about what was, what, there, was a, there was a battle that took place in my life. And for a long time, if you, would, if you would talk to the people that knew me back in Syracuse when I was probably 15, 16, 17, they would have said, oh, David is repenting. No, David wasn't repenting. David was reforming. You know, it was a reformation process that I thought would work, and it didn't. But one night when I just couldn't deal with it anymore, I just fell on my knees and I said, God, I need help. There's nothing in me that can be the way I want to be. You have to change me. You have to come into my life and take away the ugliness. Cleanse me from all this nonsense that I've been hiding from people. You see, if you would have seen me on the outside, you would have thought, oh, this is, he's doing pretty well. But what, you, what, what people didn't see was how, how dark and how sinful and how horrible and broken I was on the inside. And the amazing part was when I got to that point, oh, it didn't take long then. It didn't take long for the Spirit to work because I got to the point, like Tim said last night, where you just have to let go. Just let go and let God have his marvelous way, as we used to sing when I was much younger. But the battle that I want to talk about was the night when I was, I was, doing, I was doing okay with my repentance. And, and, and what I mean by that was I was making progress. And I, and I got to a point where, where the Spirit said, you need to now confess your sins. And there were only two things that, I, that the Lord laid on my heart I needed to confess. And my dad was the elder. And I got to confess my sins to the elder. And I remember laying in my bed, and 
saying, you know, the Lord said, just go downstairs. Just my, I knew my dad was, we had a finished basement. He was in the family room in the basement. I knew he hadn't gone to bed yet. He said, just go downstairs and talk to him. Just tell him. And Satan said, you can't. There was a battle that night, dear ones, for that last piece of me that I was holding on to. And I don't know how long it was, this conversation between the Spirit and Satan. And then the Spirit said this, there is nothing that can hold you back anymore. And I got out of bed and I walked down three flights of stairs, two flights of stairs. And my dad was waiting for me. You see, God had prepared him for me to come. And that's when I realized how powerful the Spirit is. And that's when I realized the Spirit was within me. The Spirit was within me, giving me power, exactly what Paul is saying here. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If Christ be in you, through the Spirit, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Flesh and blood doesn't convert. But the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that enabled Jesus to live as fully man, not relying on his own strength and not relying on the fact that he was the son of God to resist Satan, but relying on the spirit, the same spirit that we have. Isn't that not amazing? Is it, does it not excite you to think that the same spirit that was empowering our Savior is ours? if we will just allow him to have that type of control and presence in our life. We become quickened by him, by that same spirit. Let me read verse 10 again. But if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after... Now notice, he's saying brethren. Brothers and sisters, we need to pay attention to this verse. Because he, he talks, he's, let me read 12 again. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, do, if, if we kill, deaden, deprive from life the things of this body by the Spirit, it's not us doing it, it's just letting the Spirit do it, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God. That's the Spirit's role. It is just, it just, it's so refreshing to me to just the reality of the Spirit. You know, we, we can say that God is everywhere, and, and, he, and he is. But he's everywhere through the Spirit. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said to his disciples, I need to go so the Comforter can come. So Jesus went, sits at the right hand of the Father, so that the Spirit could be here with us, empowering us, enabling us, speaking to us, guiding us. Remember, you know, the Spirit is that still small voice 
that reminds us of all the things that we've been taught, all the things that we've been heard, the spirit of, of the spirit of the living God dwelling inside us, you know, and, and my brother and my sister, isn't that wonderful when we can feel that? And in my own life, I'm saying, shame on you that you're not, you're not cultivating that, that closeness, that warm feeling on a continuous basis, day after day after day. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. It's the spirit that allows us now, enables us, and connects us back with the same God that Adam and Eve walked with, and that was broken when they sinned. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. It's the Spirit that's making this, again, this connection. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself shall also be delivered from the bondage of corruption unto the glorious liberty of the children of God. Think about that, dear ones, being, being liberated from corruption. Having that relationship that Adam and Eve could have with the Father restored. Because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption unto the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now we know that whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together till now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit of the redemption of our body. So what Paul is saying is we've got the spiritual peace connection is restored now but we also wait for the end of all sin when even our bodies can be delivered and we can truly be completely restored to the father for we are saved by hope but hope that is seen is not hope for what a man seeth why doth he yet hope for but if we hope for that we have not seen then do we with patience wait for it it's tough to be patient, isn't it? It's, it's hard. But what does patience do for us? Let's, let's talk for a few moments now about patience and waiting. You know, I'm not going to talk much about the couple, but I can't not think about them because they're sitting right in front of me. But... So the, so the Lord speaks, the Lord works, the, Lord, the Spirit of God is working in the hearts of his children. And, and the announcement that was made this morning was planned by our infinite Father before we were. Is that not amazing? And he called two souls. And he drew these two souls unto himself. And they became his children. And their focus in life was serving the master, serving their father in heaven. And then the spirit, just like he worked when he tugged on their heartstrings to say, hey, there's a separation from me that we need to work on here. We need to, you need to be, I'm drawing you, come unto me so I can give you peace. And I can give you life. 
And all of a sudden, as the Spirit was developing his relationship with them and them with him, he spoke again. And it started with Tim. And Tim went through a time of waiting on the Lord for a confirmation. Was this thought that he had in his heart from God or not? And Tim has now a point where he has a conviction he wants to act on, and now Sister Tiffany has to go to the Lord and see what kind of confirmation the Lord's going to give her. And there's waiting in that. And that's good. Because in those times when we wait, it draws us closer to the Father. If we got everything we asked for immediately, if, if everything that we wanted in life unfolded just like this, when would we ever have this real need to wait for the Lord and to say, Lord, is there something you would like me to think on yet? Is there a deeper understanding, Lord, you need to have me go through? I, I remember as I waited for the answer from my dear wife. Those were difficult yet precious days because patience puts into perspective who we are and who God is. In, in that, in, in, in that we, even though we don't have what we want, we don't have the answer we want, and thankfully, Tim didn't have to wait that long. He, he, was, he was a blessed brother, and I didn't have to wait that long. But the patience is good for us. It's something that we, we should never get frustrated when God says, I want you to wait. Because we're going to get to verse 28, and you know what that one is in a minute, as to why we need to wait. Likewise, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Dear ones, I'm hoping, my brother and my sister, you've been to a point where you've had a burden that you didn't even know how to verbalize. And you're going to say, well, that's a nice thing to say. No, it really is. Because when we have things that we don't even know how to say, that's when the communion with the Father is its purest because it's the Spirit that's making the communication back to the Father. And that's when the Son, as now our Savior, sits at the Father's right hand making intercession for us. We simply don't even know what to say. We're, we're, we're just emptied before God. And then we can be filled in an even fuller... You know, we think we're filled with the Spirit until we get to a point where all of a sudden there's nothing else left. And then the Spirit comes in even deeper measure and washes over us. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for our gro with groanings which cannot be uttered. There's, there's some interesting things about the brain. And there is, there is a part of our thought process, there's a part of our communication that you cannot assign words to. And I love how, you know, scholars and scientific people try to come up with how we need to deal with it. Well, you know what? They missed the point here. This is the part of our human being Remember, we are human beings, not human doings. We are human beings. We are God-created beings, eternal beings. And part of that communication that can only be expressed in feelings is where the Spirit communes with the Father. And he searcheth, and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Of God. Isn't it beautiful how in these just these 27 verses so far, the Apostle Paul has taken us through the functions of the Trinity. 
the triune Godhead that is one, yet three parts. And I love verse 28. And we know. Isn't that a wonderful phrase? We know. That all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. All things. All things. Everything that transpired up until this point in our lives, if we are Christ's and he is ours, are for our good. We don't, you know, dear ones, there's things in life that we would never ask for, but they're what we need. They shape us. They mold us. We had some wonderful conversations yesterday afternoon, and I was just, it thrilled my heart as I thought on those conversations last evening, last night. It was, again, proof that this verse, that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. When you can see it in retrospect, it's like, that was amazing. An experience that I'll share with you, and I promise I'm almost done, that I, that I like to go back to because I don't want to talk about other people's experiences. I, want to, I, just, I need to talk about mine. There were, and, and you all know that, and, and our grandson Silas turns eight this coming week. And Silas was born at 25 weeks gestation, and I would never, ever have wished that experience on my daughter. I just wouldn't, and my son-in-law. I wouldn't have wished that experience on our family. But in retrospect, there were so many amazing things that I was taught, things that I learned. I would have never seen my daughter the way I saw her then. I saw a faith that shocked me. I mean, you know, when, when she could say, and she didn't say it to me, I think she might have said it to Frida, but she said, these were her words, we don't know if Silas will live or die, but we know we will be okay. The faith of the daughter was greater than the faith of the father at that point. Me, the father. Just to watch how people interacted, to see the connections. There's Christmas cards that we get at our house Every year, pictures of a family whose child was in an isolate next to Silas and sadly passed. But there's a connection because all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. It sometimes is dark. It sometimes is scary. Just hold on. Get closer. Allow the Spirit to fill you in a deeper measure, and he'll take you through that. And it's like we talked about, the, 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 the duet sang last night, the God of the mountain is the God in the valley. And a lot of times we've got to pass through the valley to appreciate the mountain, to see the majesty that's there. We, we experience God in the valley, not on the mountain. On the mountain, we kind of think we don't need him. 
When we need him the most, he's, he's always there. Now, for my friends outside of Christ, there's just a couple verses I want to I read for you. Because um, you need this. Even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. My, my friend outside of Christ, you're dead. You are walking dead. You can put on a good face, but you're dead. But you don't need to be dead. You can be made alive. In Colossians 2.13, And you, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. You see, the beauty of the Spirit is that he, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same Spirit that, that gave Jesus the ability to resist Satan on this earth, is available to make you alive. This morning, he is knocking on your heart's door. Don't be so foolish to desire to stay dead. Just ask him in. Ask him to come into your life. And I promise you, I promise you, that the life that he will give you will be more than you can even imagine. The life that you will, the, the, the way you will be able to experience God here on this earth will be more than right now you can comprehend. If there was no heaven and there was no hell, I would still implore you to come to Jesus because life is so much richer. It's so much more full. It's, it's joy and sorrow. It's, it's realizing that there is purpose in everything. And you can live the life that God has planned for you. You can live out your giftedness. You can live out your fullest potential. But only if you allow the Spirit, our dearest friend on earth, to be your friend too. May the Lord add his blessing to these words.